watching every one of you guys sing. So we're going to start off with, let's see, a lot of scenery. Whenever you're ready, you can just go right in. Ready?
Thank you for everyone who sang along. Your reciprocation was deeply felt in my heart. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you'd like me to take a really nice deep breath. Let it out. <laughs> Stretch if you have to. Stand up. Shake it off. Whatever you need to do. Thank you everyone for coming to Krishna Cove. It is my pleasure to welcome each and every one of you tonight. Our spiritual master, <laughs> he's actually gone, he's out of town right now, he's gonna be gone for about six weeks. But, we have some really nice devotees here. And... Consolation, right? <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, Atul will be giving lecture tonight, and the topic of tonight's lecture is, what was your best investment for 2018? Now, if you see the graphic over here, I didn't mean to make the little guy look like Donald Trump. That was by mistake. <laughs> Just somehow happened. Did anybody else get that? Was I the only one? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose, guys. I didn't realize that until now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, everyone give a nice warm welcome to Atula in the bus. That was a little bit too cold of a warm. I want a warmer one. Welcome to the I'm gonna sit here because my knee is I'm only 31. Really? Imagine what it's gonna be like in 10 years. <laughs> what does time have to do with this? What's up? What does time have to do with this? <laughs> So you all come a little closer, like some of you that are back here. Absolutely. Yeah. Just because I'd like to make this more group discussion. In other words, I want to hear from you too. Do you have those papers? Yeah, yeah, please. How's everybody doing? Are you doing the case for us? Because you join the police force, you make all the cars like have this amazing art with police buildings and uniforms. You'll be back out. <laughs> there you go, Jerry. Have you been shaking your rounds today? How do you roll? <laughs> That is Vedic. That's that's wanted. Shop of course. How's your wife doing? Is she okay? Yeah, yeah she's very physical therapy. Okay, good. Yeah. So she lets you come tonight. Thank you. Okay. Good. It's nice to have you back. Gabriel? Gabriel. 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 I just want to make sure I was saying that. Yeah. I'll be right back. <clears throat> so, let's see. I'm going to be your 
What we're going to do is, I'm just going to give a brief, um, just a brief presentation, and then I want to have a discussion. So please write down any thoughts, any questions you have, and put them on the paper, and we're going to do an anonymous question and answer at the end. So you can do that anytime during this short presentation, and then also at the end, I'm going to read something and I'll give you a little time. Also, to write down some of Yeah. Questions like, um, do you have anything like, what do you mean in specific? Um, like, it, questions, uh, um, oh, go ahead. go ahead. It's questions that come to mind that you ask later, but I'm not asking, so that you're not oh. asking questions during. So I'm going to raise some points. Oh, throughout your, okay. Yeah, I'm going to give a short presentation, and it'll, maybe it'll, it'll make you think about some different things, and then you can write down. Um, so. I'm going to be your financial advisor tonight, and I'm going to help you to expand your portfolio. Okay, so you can, um, to perpetuity, make lots of returns on your investments. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. Okay. So, how many of you are investors? Please raise your hand. Okay. Actually, we're all investors because um, investing means that you're placing your time and your energy and your resources. You're strategically placing your time, energy, and resources into something that you believe will benefit you more in the future, benefit you, your family, society, whatever your scope of outlook is in the world. Um, you believe that if I, because, even if we don't do anything to plan, we're still utilizing those things, right? We have limited time, limited resources, limited energy. So if we don't plan at all, by default, it's still an investment. Although it's a very poor investment because, as we know, we've all had experience trying to do things without planning. And oftentimes we just go from one thing to the next and we're bouncing around. That, that basically, from the Vedic perspective, is the mode of ignorance. It means you just do whatever feels right at the time, whatever feels good, you, you, you do that. Um, so that's the mode of ignorance. Um, so we can invest um, in the three modes. The mode of goodness means we're planning for the future uh, for positive benefit for us and our families. And the way of passion, it means that I want to accumulate a lot, but it's based on greed. It's based on just very self-centered and wanting to expand our own personal enjoyment. So that's investment in the mode of passion. Investment in the mode of ignorance means we just squander it. We just throw it all away. We don't plan. We don't think about what the best use is. Uh, every day we just go with the flow of our desires, with, with the whims that come come to us, and we just we just we follow that. Um, I think we actually had this discussion maybe maybe a couple weeks ago, where we were speaking about following our heart, following what feels right, and if what feels right is in what in tune with what is right, if what feels right is in tune with what is right, then that's a good investment, right? Because if it feels right, but it isn't right, then we haven't learned how to invest and how to build for the future. Investment means that we want, we want growth. 
And so you, you go look at the stock market, they have the big bull there. It means a bull market means that it's going upwards. And nobody likes a bear market. Bear market means it crashes. Of course, uh, the cheaters in Kali Yuga, they manipulate it so that they make money either way. So that's the nature of uh, investment in the mode of passion, which is cheating, cheat the mode of cheating. Um, so I really like this image. I want to thank you, Govindamata. It's nice. Because it, it shows that he is, as we were saying, he's putting his time and energy into cultivating this garden, this, this, this plant. And so what is, what is the outcome? As it says in the Vedas, we can judge something by the outcome. So if we want to look back in 2018 and think about what are the things I did, because it passes so fast, doesn't it? Is it just me or this? It seems like it was just 2017. Mm-hmm. It was 2016. We, it seems like it was just turning over into 2000. <laughs> so it goes by so fast. So if we look back at our past year, what did we do that gave us different returns? Because we understand from um, this Divya Gyan. Divya Gyan means divine knowledge. Revealed by the self-realized saints who can actually show us how to make the best investment. But they, they say that there is enjoyment that comes just from the mind. And so for instance, like we are so much conditioned by the mental enjoyment because of, of technology, for instance. Because when you make a post, they've, they've actually done studies, and you get likes on your post, that releases endorphins in your brain, so you feel good. Okay, so, so the, the point being is that when we do something, when we do something with, with what we have to experience a better future, we want to feel good. So what have we done in 2018 that made us feel good? But did it last? Did it last? Also, if you made the best investments, if you diversified your portfolio to hedge against loss, you said, okay, I think this, even if the stock market crashes, um, I also invested in real estate. And if real estate crashes, uh, I also invested in, in precious metals. And if precious metals crashes, well, I'm building a business. So on all sides, my portfolio is going to increase, even if there's one loss, right? So say that we build the most dynamic, powerful portfolio of investments, and we're getting all these streams of income, and we, we have real estate. We're, we're like the Monopoly board kingpin. We're, we're building our spaces, and we're, we're accumulating more and more. <laughs> And on top of that, we, we have people around us that we love to be around. Okay, so we have tons of resources and we have really good friends. So now the future is really bright. Is it? You think so? Yeah. Okay, what about you? You think so too? Me? 
Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, my vision is kind of blurry right now. Is <laughs> um, yeah, no, absolutely. I love my life. And I, I have a huge bright vision of our world. Yes. Yeah, so you have a dynamic portfolio. Yes. And income streams are coming in. And great people to enjoy all the varieties of entertainment and foods and travel, right? So life is good. Does everybody agree? Like the future looks bright? The now is what I focus on. And the now is what creates our future. And the now is beautiful. Right. So that's, that's what we're talking about is what do we invest in now to have a bright future? So I just painted a picture of what all investors want, right? They want a safety net. They've got their all their stuff insured. They've got a diversified portfolio. They have friends and family. They have fame, popularity. How many of you think the future looks bright in this particular circumstance? Okay, you think so too. Anybody else? Okay. So, it may be or it may not be. Because if it actually is only what I said without Divya Gyan, and from that Divya Gyan, that the divine knowledge, um, building the spiritual connection, then actually um, the great Acharyas, the great teachers, um, the books of knowledge, they say that that is all completely and utterly worthless, completely worthless, because the nature of the soul is eternal. We are eternal. We are actually always in bliss. We are actually always protected against loss. There is no loss of the soul. The soul never deteriorates and never degenerates. The bliss of the soul never diminishes, it actually always increases. So, I'd like to you to look at it like this, is that oftentimes in life we make an investment to facilitate the growth of something else, okay? So having resources is not in and of itself wrong, but it has to be used to propel us into an investment that's truly meaningful. And I'll give you an example. Oftentimes, students in college, they will work a side job. That side job, they may work at a pizza shop or, or a little store. That side job is simply meant to facilitate them getting through college. So their real investment is their education. And that working is simply to facilitate that education, which then in turn facilitates getting a job, getting a career that is satisfying to that person, which facilitates having um, being surrounded by caring, loving people and being able to enjoy life with them. You see what I'm saying? Is that these investments are meant to facilitate a higher investment. Mm -hmm. So what is that higher investment? That's the connection. That's the connection we're seeking. It all, it all culminates in that connection we're looking for. Relationships. 
Actually, spiritual life is centered around the quality of loving relationships. If you want the key to advancement in Krishna consciousness, it will be based on the quality and the maintenance of our relationships. That's what it's based on. And so, similarly, if all those things described, if they aren't meant to propel and facilitate the investment of, of the soul, the investment of higher consciousness, the investment of our essential true nature, then we're, we're taking something that's subsidiary, something that's primary. Do you see what the fault in that is? Because if your true nature is eternity, knowledge, and bliss, and you're doing something that's not going to culminate in eternity, knowledge, and bliss, then you're taking the secondary aspect as something primary. So, everything we do in life can be used. If it's in the mode of goodness, if it's not degrading our consciousness, if it's not killing our, our spiritual enthusiasm, it can be used to facilitate our bhakti yoga practice. That's the beauty of bhakti yoga. But if we take that as primary, then there's a guaranteed loss. It's like I was talking about the investor's dream. Well, what's the investor's nightmare? The investor's nightmare is when you when the whole thing tanks, right? When you end in it's a total bust. If the whole thing is knocked out, just like um, you know, the hurricane that came through New Orleans sometime ago, Hurricane Katrina. You remember, the insurance companies couldn't keep up with the claims. So people lost everything. They saved their whole life. They, they lost everything. So many people. Not to mention the loss of life. We haven't even talked about the loss of life. If, if we put our primary investments into this world, no matter how dynamic our investment portfolio is, it will, it will end in a collapse. It will not be beneficial for us. So, we say in Krishna consciousness often that it's not about what you have. It's not about the skills you have. It's about who you know, right? Like, for instance, someone could be extremely skilled, but they don't get a position at a job because the person that was hired was a close friend of the owner of the company, right? And of course, they wouldn't tell you that because then that would be against the fair. Uh, yeah, but they wouldn't tell you that, but that would actually happen. That they, they would hire the person that they like because of a relationship. This happens all the time. This is actually how the world works. That it's who you know. So, actually, the, the I'm going to give you a secret of true investment, okay? So you can actually invest in that which is going to sustain and increase, like all the investors want. See, spiritual life in this world is very rare because nobody wants to focus on the soul. But actually, the soul is the only thing that not only can be satiated, but can increase in unending bliss and happiness and spiritual love relationships. 
And so the secret is, is loving relationships with devotees. It's a secret. If you surround yourself with devotees who are dedicated to cultivating their spiritual life, you're going to be, you're going to have enthusiasm awakened in your heart. And you're going to feel satisfied through the quality of those relationships. Because any relationships, no matter how wonderful they are in this world, if Krishna isn't there, if this loving relationship with God isn't there, there will be something missing. And because it's simply um, acting and developing on the mental plane, we're going to feel like we're missing something, something's lacking. And we're going to take that out on the people around us. It's your fault. Like, it's your fault I'm not happy. I'm, I need a better friend, see? But actually, we're just reflecting the dissatisfaction within because we haven't cultivated the spirit. We haven't cultivated the primary relationship. We're talking about the primary investment. That comes from the connection between the Jeep Atma, the soul, and Bhagavan, Krishna. That's that primary investment. And how do we attain that investment? How do we purchase that investment? Through loving relationships with, with the devotees. Because that enthusiasm is transferred from the heart, right? Like if you get with a group of people who are really into um, you know, playing the stock market and getting involved in that, then that enthusiasm is going to be transferred to us. And we're also going to want to... Um, be part of that association and develop um, our life in that way. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't want to get too fiery here. <laughs> um, okay, so I want, I want to just describe a quick analogy of this really powerful speech, actually, I heard recently. And I want to relate it to Krishna consciousness. And then after that, um, have you all, anybody marked down any questions yet? Okay, so I'm going to read, read this story, and then I'm going to read some um, quotes on association, the power of, of spiritual association. And while I'm doing that, you can also mark down questions. So there was a, this Navy SEAL officer. You know, they're the um, like the top of the top in the military. It's, it's more difficult to get into Navy SEALs than the Marines. It's mm -hmm. the top line. Yeah. Special Forces. So he was a general, and he was describing what it takes to be successful. And he said, the first step in being successful is when you wake up in the morning, make your bed. He said, because that sets the day right. Because when you make your bed in the morning, you're doing something... Um, you're doing something positive that sets the pace for every other thing you do during the day. Um, one devotee in our movement said, the way you do something is actually the way you do everything. So we don't develop habits of the way we do things. You see? So this is the mode of goodness. That means that as a devotee of Krishna, as a bhakti yoga practitioner, when we wake up in the morning, we chant, we chant japa, we do japa meditation. 
Vyasa should make everything. <laughs> but the japa meditation, it sets the pace for the whole day. It sets the mood for the whole day. So we do our japa meditation. So that's the first um, tip to be successful. That's a special force because it's very rare to be a devotee in this world. This is a world of forgetfulness of God, forgetfulness of our real nature. It's a, mo- it's a world of repeated birth and death, which means we forget who we are, and because of the mental uh, concoctions, desires in the mind, it, it transfers us to another body at death, and we continue the cycle of false enjoyment, false ego. So this is special forces here, actually, right here in this room, real special forces, even beyond the, the Navy SEALs, way beyond the Navy SEALs. Um, so then he went on to describe some of the tests they go through to be a Navy SEAL. And he said one is that they go to um, the ocean at night, this one canal, and they have to swim across during the night. And the, the some of the generals they're telling the candidates that this is the time when all the sharks are out. So all the sharks are swimming around the water at this time. They said, but don't worry, actually, because nobody who's done this has ever got eaten by a shark. But if you see a shark circling around you, you see a fin, and you see the shark coming towards you, you have to hold your ground. And when he gets close, you punch him right in the mouth. So you can't run away. If you try to swim away, if you try to swim away, you will be attacked. So you have to hold your ground and punch him right in the mouth. And so we can relate this to guarding ourselves against materialistic influences. They're like sharks, because we are people who need dynamic relationships. We need connections. And if we don't guard our life against materialistic influences, it's more dangerous. It's, it's, it is death for us, actually, because we can get swept up in that association and we forget the goal of life. We, we, we move into that field of basically non-existence. We exist, but we're living in an illusory environment. So we have to we have to hold our ground on that. We can't let ourselves, not that we're mean to people, I'm not saying to punch people, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that we have to be strong. We can't allow ourselves to be dragged down. We can't allow our consciousness to be dragged down. We have to be in environments where our consciousness comes up because this, this coming up of consciousness is the greatest wealth, is the greatest increase of real wealth for us. So he said the next, one other test is that they get into groups and they get in these little boats and they have to, together as a team, row against these big waves. <clears throat> these big waves, are kind of, they have to row towards them and go over them. Like that. <clears throat> and he said, I was on the tall people's team. But there's another team, and they're all little guys with short arms. And 
And he said, the other, um, the other candidates would make fun of these guys. But these guys always won. Because they would row faster and harder and in a more unified way than anybody else. So he said, what we learned from this has nothing to do with the externals. It has to do with the size <clears throat> of the heart. It has to do with that um, deep enthusiasm and drive of the heart. And so for Krishna consciousness, we can also relate this to our advancement in Krishna consciousness depends on this level of desire this level of desire that we cultivate. If we don't have desire, if we're complacent, because the nature of this world is things go down, and we, remember we were saying we don't want investments to go down. If investments go down, that means it's a bad investment, right? So complacency means we will go down because that's the nature of the material energy. As soon as we let things become complacent, they start to denigrate. It's the law of entropy. It will go down. So if we keep that enthusiasm and we have a common goal together, we work together towards that common goal, then we can overcome these big waves of the material energy that are constantly bombarding us. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's like a well-known fact that where there are numbers, and where the people will work together, they can overcome. Like the um, wolf that's shaping the sea sheep pack, and then one sheep wanders off, and then that sheep is vulnerable. So it's a common uh, knowledge that this is the case. Um, and then the last example he gave is he said that they had to stay in this very cold, like almost freezing water. It was a swamp, actually very muddy, very cold, almost freezing water. And they had to stay in this water for like 18 hours. They had to stay submerged in this water. And then they had the generals yelling at them, saying, quit right now. And like, you're worthless. You know, just yelling at these guys. And, and then they said, if only five of you quit, we'll let the rest of you go. <laughs> And nobody was, was quitting, but there was like eight hours left. And he said it was just getting to the point where like every moment was like excruciating, like painful. And he said all of a sudden somebody raised their voice and started singing really loudly in a really off-pitch tone. And then everybody started following them. And the whole group started singing in unison. And he said, all of a sudden, it seemed like, like we can actually do it. There was warmth there. And it seemed like that eight hours wasn't so long anymore. And so similarly, when there is difficulties in our life, if we take shelter of calling out to Krishna, if we take shelter of this kirtan, like this beautiful kirtan that Govinda Madhav led tonight, if we join in this unison calling out the names of Krishna, 
Um, one, one acharya, one great teacher in our line, he said that the only safe place in the universe is in the kirtan. It's in the kirtan of the beliefs. It's the only safe place in the universe. It's not. Because <clears throat> when we're in kirtan, we're with Krishna. When we're remembering Krishna, then we are in the spiritual world. If we persevere in that direction, when we leave this body, we'll go back to our original nature of Satchitananda, eternity, knowledge, and bliss. So the, although things may be difficult, although there's forces pushing us to quit, there's outside forces saying, what are you doing wasting your life? Why are you, why are you putting your time and energy into um, Hare Krishna? Why are you pursuing this ancient culture? You should be building your future. You should be making lots of money and, and building your portfolio. So when we have these pressures, that's probably the only <laughs> I'll just think of that. Only money I have. That's a screw. That was a perfect cue. No, we're not against making it. Actually, most devotees in our movement are, are have business. have business, have a job. The point is, is that we do it. We have to do it with bhakti. We have to do it to serve Krishna, to serve Prabhupada's mission of developing our love for God. If that's our motive. How can we keep that motive? We keep it by connecting with devotees who love Krishna, who want to serve Krishna, who want to invest in the spirit, who want to raise collective consciousness. And in that way, we'll keep our intention uh, focused, fixed. Because if we don't, then it becomes just mundane. See, it may start out devotional, but then the the goal is lost. I'm supposed to be doing this to, to develop my love. I'm supposed to do this as an offering. You see how that can be tricky? So the primary can be replaced with the secondary. Does that make sense? Okay. Do we have how many people have wrote written a question? Okay. So please, my request is if all of you can just like think of one question. Um, so I'm gonna read some of these. These are really inspiring quotes from some uh, spiritual teachers in our movement and some of the sastras. And while I'm doing this, you can um, please write a question. Any, any question that you have, is this going to be anonymous? <clears throat> so Prabhupada says, simply by associating with a pure devotee, one becomes wonderfully advanced in Krishna consciousness. Sadhu Sangha or association with a devotee means always engaging in Krishna consciousness. By chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, but he whose heart is contaminated sees things differently. Therefore, by satsangha or association with devotees, one becomes perfectly pure in heart. By glorifying the Lord, we can remain in his association. That's Bhakti Swarup Damodar. Association of people who are striving to be determined helps us to become determined. Radna Swami. Mm -hmm. By only reading scriptures without devotee association, one becomes an impersonalist. By teacher Ruswami. Always live in Iskan and never leave Iskan because Iskan is the lotus feet of Sri the Prabhupada. Sure, Sri the Prabhupada in your whole life sees our connection. It's about teacher Swami. Our consciousness and our motivations in life are like spectacles having different colors, which make everything appear tainted. 
Association of saintly persons and regular spiritual practices give us the vision and the philosophical ideal which helps us to see the world clearly. Radhanaswami. Association with the devotees of the Lord Krishna leads to our association with Lord Krishna. Lokanaswami. To be in Iskand means to be in the association of devotees. If you remain in the association of devotees, your spiritual life will be protected. Swami. In the association of pure devotees, discussion of the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is very pleasing and satisfying to the ears and the heart. By cultivating such knowledge, one gradually becomes advanced on the path of liberation, and thereafter he is freed and his attraction becomes fixed. Then real devotion and devotional service begin. The topmost benediction of those who are living in this material world and are subjected to the repetition of birth and death, transmigration, is association with pure devotees. A pure devotee considers a moment's association with another pure devotee to be far superior than residing in the heavenly planet or merging in the Brahman fortunes. There are many societies and associations of pure devotees, and if someone with just a little faith begins to associate with such societies, his advancement to pure devotional service is rapid. We become who we associate with. If we associate with pure, simple people struggling to be devotees, then slowly we will be perfect on our path to devotion. If we associate with material-minded people, we will always be perplexed and confused to what we are truly seeking. Association is the principal impetus in human life to serve Sri Hari. Due to association of non-devotees, one gets material prosperity. Due to the association of devotees, the spirit soul gradually becomes absorbed in serving Sri Hari. This is the greatest shelter for a human being. Never become adverse to that. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. There is no other way of associating with transcendence besides hearing. Krishna has made an arrangement for the humans to escape from the clutches of Maya, which is associating with his devotees. Lokanaswami. The root cause of devotional service to Lord Krishna is association with advanced devotees. Even when one's dormant love for Krishna awakens, association with devotees is still most essential. Shri Everybody have a question? Yeah, I think that's okay. Maybe you'll think of one when we're when we're talking. You got you got one ready? No question? Okay. So I'm gonna call on some of you pundits to uh, to help us in these. <laughs> if you have any more you can toss it in too. Maybe. Maybe one question might spark another. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. How does one grow in Krishna consciousness if you are isolated from association of devotees, a temple, etc.? Chandra Paul? Okay. I think it kind of depends on that individual's mood, too. Um, but with the way technology is, I mean, you can still associate through uh, videos online, reading Srila Prabhupada's books. That's the most important thing. If you don't have temples and devotees to associate with, 
Prabhupada emphasized that you can associate directly with him through his books. So if you're stuck in a vacuum, nowhere else to go, nowhere to be, at least have the books. And that way you can still make progress. Nice. Anybody else? I would say it'd be a really rare situation if you couldn't find some devotees there at Temple because we have over 600. I mean, we have temples everywhere. There's always, there's always some kind. Yeah, I think there may be a balance between what you both are saying because <clears throat> we might not be able to get to the temple a lot, but if we form, but the point is we have to form really deep relationships with devotees. That's the main point. So even if we're not around them, we can still connect with them, right? Yeah. Through phone or email or Facebook. So we need to have those connections. So even someone we're reading, like Chandrabal said, and like there's thousands, like tens of thousands of, of videos and lectures and, and this kind of Krishna consciousness. And she was Prabhupada's um, lectures and Prabhupada's books. You can spend your whole life studying one of Prabhupada's books. They're so deep. They're so wonderful. Um, but the point is we also need that personal connection. So if you can get to a temple and make it a point to really develop relationships um, with the devotees and make that friendship essential because that's a friendship also that's really going to last. Um, we're talking about, you know, losing investments, um, you know, like losing everything. Well, in my experience, material relationships, they don't, they don't last, and if they do, they turn into something kind of business-like or a little superficial, in my personal experience. And ultimately it is because it's, it's not on the spiritual platform. Um, so both parties are thinking, I am this and you are that, and actually that's not the case. So anybody want to add to that? Yeah. Yeah, my example of that is even, you know, on a very superficial level, uh, my wife uh, became uh, friends with someone from England. She was a Facebook friend. And she says, guess what? I'm going to be in Arizona. You know, I, well, let's meet up. Let's, you know. And they got to meet and they're like longtime friends because they talk so much just through Facebook. So, uh, again, can you imagine, you know, on the level if you're connecting with a devotee in that way? You know, I mean, well, oh, you couldn't be here. Well, you know, we have a temple here. Hey, come and meet all straight around. Okay. So the whole thing, again, relationships can be developed uh, these days. We have such, used to be old pen pal type of things, you know, but nowadays it's like, you've got all this. We can video thing. chat right on your, on your smartphone. Yeah, smartphone, exactly. Yeah. So many ways to connect and to develop, even through technology, um, very close relationships. Yeah. So, so I think the real barrier is that desire to, deeper desire to form that connection. So if we really see the value in it, then we're going to want to make that a priority. Um, and it will pay off because a real relationship on the spiritual platform, you'll never lose that. If it's genuine, if it's really um, purely motivated, you'll never lose that. Okay, we have a... Shake it up. Okay. Mm. Hope it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> What was an investment of Lord? What was an investment of Lord Jaitanya's? That's an ecstatic question. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Well, that, that, you can find that out by reading the Chaitanya Charitamrita. <laughs> that book up there. Those books up there. <laughs> but if you want to know in, in, a, in a capsule, it was that every moment with all his time, his energy, he was investing everything in the pure love of God. He was setting the stage for that best investment. Everything he did was to feel those rasas, to feel that bliss of the soul and connection, pure love of Krishna. Everything he did, everything he said, he was trying to pull out some nectar. So that is another way you can form um, wonderful relationships with devotees, is talk to them about Krishna. Like, you want to know what devotees like to talk about? It's no secret. <laughs> you like to talk about Krishna. So if you ask something about Krishna, then you're going to make friends real, real quick. Anybody want to add? Yeah. I just recently saw a video by uh, Gorgopal Swami, and he was talking about um, something kind of along the same line. And it reminded me when you were talking about investments, it's like from a materialistic perspective, People invest and invest in so many different things to try to enjoy on a higher platform, but it's like I'm investing and I'm going to get the biggest gold cup in the world, and when I get that, the water that I put in it is going to taste so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's still water. It doesn't matter if you drink it out of a you know dirty clay bowl or well not dirty, but you know out of a plastic paper cup or a yeah. golden gauntlet. Like it's still. Just, uh, it all tastes the same. So there's really no higher enjoyment of life associated. But how do you know? Have you ever tried it? Well, also, if germs get in there, you're still going to get sick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference in this book. It's all in the mind. <laughs> it is, but we can, we can suffer on the mental platform. So even though it's temporary, we can we can suffer a long time on our mental platform, many births and deaths. So actually the goal of spirituality is to break free from that bondage. And that only comes when we are completely attached to Krishna. It's the only because if we're not, then we're still projecting something on the mental platform. That projection on the mental platform, even if it's some idea, like people have so many ideas about what it means to be liberated, but because it's coming from their mind then they have to experience their concoction. So also there's real gold and there's fool's gold. And Prabhupada, he said Krishna consciousness is like a diamond. So it's just, it's, most people don't purchase the diamond because they're not willing to pay for the diamond. So what does that mean? That means that Krishna actually wants our love. He wants, he wants our time. He wants our energy. Why? Because it's an expression of love. Not just to take it, but because we are meant to have that connection. We are meant to have that bond. We actually, as a soul, want that as much as Krishna. Like, we want it as much. And Krishna wants it more, and then we want it more. And then he wants it more. So we both want that bond very deeply. So you're right, it is illusory, but it's still we're still experiencing it. Yes. See? We're still, so we want to we want to break free from that. Um, the mind causes suffering. In that state, 
And and the charities they say we've been going through that so long. How much suffering are we going to deal with? So we want to, they call it um, Adhyatmaka, Adhidaivaka, Adhibotika. So the minds, the miseries of this material world are caused by our mind, by our body, by other living entities, and by natural disasters. So these are the miseries. The letting go of the conditioned state of the material mind. Because um, as we, it's like unfolding. Because um, as within the past few years, as I started to dive within myself, I came into this thing that I tell myself, inward dive center of self, unfolded life becomes all sight, meaning that I shed everything that is conditioned by this world. Um, and that's how I get closer to the source of God or Krishna. Mm you know, in that state. So it's, it's a two-part stage. One is to shed that, which is of this world, which is conditioned. And the other is to accept that, which is eternal, divine, which is pure bhakti, pure love. So they come hand in hand. If we simply uh, suppress and then shed, because the nature of the soul is, is to seek unending enjoyment, mm -hmm. we will not be able to continue on that path. Because the soul must have that loving connection, must have that relationship. And so you're right, that's half the equation, but actually it's the other way around. Because if we, if we bond with Krishna, then we can give up. Right. Which is, and that's not superficial, because we found something ecstatic, something blissful. So generally it works that we, we focus on the positive attachment, and when the positive attachment is, is solidified, is strengthened, then, then we can easily give up. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Because um, there's so many uh, like pseudo-spiritualists who suppress. And then it, later on, because it's not real, it's not realized happiness, it comes out later. Because they haven't actually gotten rid of their desires, they've just pushed them down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Anybody have anything else on that one? Lord Jaitanya's investments? Hmm. I think you asked that question. No? <laughs> I'm surprised. Okay, what if there are no devotees anywhere near you? Oh, we already did that. Yep. How do you associate them? Oh, that's the same question. Okay, wow. right. So we have to knock out two with one. Yeah. Okay. Two mandals or one rock. Yeah. The thing is, come as much as possible. And that's also the nature of friendship is that we want to we want to be with our friends as much as possible. Yeah. So come, don't be distant. Don't be strange. Yeah. Okay. What is the best way to clean to clean the physical body for spiritual transformation? Cleanse. Do it a moment if you want to answer that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I like I like this analogy a lot. If you if you have an attic or if you've ever been in an attic, and you go in the attic and you try to make the least amount of movements possible, everything looks really, really peaceful and clean, you know, for the most part. But when you begin to stir things up in the attic, it's a disaster, dust storm, it's just crazy, you know. If you've ever experienced cleaning an attic, you know what I'm talking about. So in the same way, when we want to, you know, 
cleanse cleanse ourselves physically, we talk about our consciousness. Um, because the consciousness is a part of the physical body. Mind is a part of the subtle body. And that's still part of the physical body. And a lot of what's going on <laughs> with us is really in our consciousness. Um, so, so for us, the process for us to cleanse our consciousness is to chant this mantra. It is, it is the, the, the number one way, the fastest way, and the most effective way. But, as I give you that analogy, the reason I, I mention that is because in the beginning it might seem like things might be getting worse before they get better. Just like if you begin to stir things up in an attic, it might be a little difficult at first. But over time, as you begin to get some of that dirt out and some of that dust out, then you begin to see things begin to improve. So in the same way, the mantra works in this way. At first, you have to cross this really, really painful threshold. They say that at first it's sour. But then it then it becomes really sweet. And and this is the threshold that a lot of people, they give up halfway because they're afraid of that. I mean, you've probably seen people that go on a fitness journey. And halfway along the journey, they give up because things get really, really tough. You know, they're right on the cusp of seeing true, like, results, like, really good results. But they give up. So in the spiritual life is non-different. So we have the mirror of the heart that we're trying to cleanse. And that is the holy names. So I would say the holy names, absolutely. Chanting of the holy names, associating with devotees, engaging in the nine different processes of devotional service. Uh, hearing is absolutely powerful. So just, you know, devotee association, hearing. You're talking about that Divya Gyan. Yes. And you, you take that through the ears, or through reading, right. or hearing and chanting. The divine knowledge actually penetrates into the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And the divine sound vibration, the holy names. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Does anybody else want to add to that? What do you think, Daniel? Well, I'm a textbook man, and I don't see my way through the book a lot of times. Hmm. But I see that human involvement, especially in role models, are beneficial very mm. much. Nice, yeah. And so. looking, looking up to others, like in the perception of the golden rule, always kind of like reflects more than what I started with in the first place. Mm. So you're reflecting higher consciousness. You're reflecting yeah. good in your life. Enlightenment. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. It's actually happening right in front of us. Because yeah. yeah. another thing about investing is good investors, they know what's a good investment. Mm. They know the value. Okay, now I'm going to move. I'm going to act. <clears throat> so similarly, spiritualists are like that. They start to know what's mercy. Mm. Ah, there's a service available. Take it. <laughs> Yeah. There's some Mahaprasadam, I'm grabbing it. Is it kirtan? I'm jumping in the kirtan. See, they know when, when they know because they because Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, in this endeavor there is no loss or diminution, and a little advancement on the path protects one from the greatest type of fear. Spiritualists know this. They they've been trained. They've experienced. 
And so they take every opportunity to do something for Krishna. So, yeah, you're reflecting that, and you're growing in consciousness. You're accepting the mercy, and your life is transforming. We can all see that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's see. Let me get Chaitanya. Did you write with Chaitanya Leela? No, I didn't. You didn't? But you're working on them. I couldn't come up with Okay, that's okay. Just say, tell me something about Krishna. <laughs> okay, are we already pure of heart? Or do we only become pure of heart? What do you think, Chaitanya Leela? I don't see how you are we already pure of heart, or do we only become pure of heart? Um, um, as a soul, we're, we're pure, um, but uh, our consciousness is covered over, covered over, so which is due to our attachments to the material, has become impure. Process of Krishna consciousness um, by attaching to Krishna, surrendering to Krishna. We let go of these attachments and uh, we return to our original self, which is pure. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> plus plus. <laughs> okay. Okay, this is a two part, looks like. I think that I am in the mode of goodness, but how can I really know? That's part one. Can we have different definitions of spiritual success? Okay, very nice questions. So I think I am in the mode of goodness, but how can I really know? Krishna, do you want to for that one? Jeez. Um, um, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a very good question. Here's a um, Bhagavad Gita. Anybody give me a Bhagavad Gita? That should be, should yeah. be somewhere. Yeah. Huh? I don't know if you want to say that. Oh, yeah, I see. That's a good question. Um, I would probably say that if if you're if you're practicing your devotional service, um, you're chanting, um, your um, everything that you do in life, whether your your job or anything else, you do it as a service to Krishna, and you always keep Krishna constantly in your mind. Um, I would say that you can pretty much consider yourself in the mode of goodness. Um, because every action will be for the service of Krishna, so naturally it will, will purify itself, your actions will. Mm. Um, but, uh, as life does, does do to us sometimes, we get caught up in the material world, we get caught up in... Um, you know, doing things and we forget because that's the conditioned mm-hmm. mind. So then we can slip 
sometimes out of motive goodness, sometimes, depending on what we're doing or whatever. I mean, we can do good things in the material world, like we're, let's say we help somebody out that's homeless or something, mm -hmm. you know, and we can give them food or something. That's, that's a good act to do, you know. But I think that in, in the realm of pure goodness, however, real goodness is that is to always do it as service of Krishna. In other words, if I'm going to give homeless man that food, I'm doing it because I see within him spiritual. Mm. So right away, I think that way. And right away, it's in the mode of goodness. The act, even on a superficial level, is good, but that's really in the act of real goodness, I think. So I think if you keep that always in your mind and you know you're in the act of goodness, when you get slip out of that, you forget about that, you don't think about that and you just carry on your duties, you get your paycheck, go, oh, boy, I can go buy stuff now. That's not the mode of goodness. You know, that's something else. So, um, but if I get my paycheck and I say to my paycheck, well, you know, uh, I, I at least have to, you know, I do have to feed this body, you know, and stuff like that, but everything else I'm going to give to Krishna. You know, well, I can be more goodness, right? So again, in, this, in a sense, then everything, if you, as long as you're thinking about Krishna, I would think that, and, and everything that you're doing and acting, I mean, then you know you're doing goodness. Yeah. Well, you're, you're reflecting your consciousness because you were talking more about the mode of pure goodness. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was. That's true. <laughs> yeah. you know, so, but anyway. But yeah. mode of goodness is a, is a springboard to yeah. more easily integrate the mode of pure goodness. I was going to say, too, um, recently, within the model, something kind of along the same line about the, I think this movement's been around for quite a while, but it's the spiritual but not religious ideology. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so the problem with that is if you're not associating with what? devotees or with Prabhupada maintaining a certain standard, that you can objectively evaluate your actions by, the mind has a way of tricking itself into thinking that it's in one mode when it's actually in another mode. And you can convince yourself that, well, I'm doing this, but I'm making an exception for myself because I'm doing it for this purpose or this cause. So I think to add on top of what Krishnanam is saying is that, like you were stating for the entire lecture, is that association is so important. Yeah. Because through that association, you have that level that has to be maintained all around. So yeah. if somebody starts to slip, other people can be like, oh, that's, that's not how you normally are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's reflecting. It's just like this quote here. It says, <clears throat> association is very important. It acts just like a crystal stone, which will reflect anything which is put before it. Mm -hmm. So when we're reflecting with our association and happen to be devotees, they're going to lift our consciousness up. Like, we're not going to be able to be in that Sangha and maintaining these um, ideas and this behavior that is, hurt, is harmful for us because the devotees are going to help to lift us up. Yeah, so. And it's not on that level where, like, on the mundane platform where, like, I'm not going to drop any names, but, like, certain other spiritual movements that I've seen where, like, their form of spiritual upliftment involves locking people in closets or shunning them or like verbally abusing them. It's just that naturally, by associating with devotees, 
you kind of lose a taste for these things that mm. don't that aren't good for your spiritual life. It's not that you're being chastised or being raked over the coals. It's just that naturally by associating with people that are constantly in pure goodness, you start to lose taste for all these other things that are just so bad for you. Right. Um, that's true. Did you have something you asked? Yeah. I'm trying to word it correctly. But I feel like we're all talking about pure goodness, but I feel like the question was more towards yeah, I have, goodness. I actually have something from the Bible. Do you have something you want to say about goodness? I mean, what I wanted to see originally is like, I feel like when it's in the mode of goodness, it all goes back to, okay, before I do something, let me take a step back and really think about why I'm doing it. It's all about like the intention behind what, why you're doing it. Because some, let's say with the piggybacking on what you said about the homeless, if I just simply do it because, oh, I'm going to look good doing this, then, you know, that's not really the mode of goodness. But if your heart cries out and your heart's like, oh my God, I need to help, then yeah. you know you're in the mode of goodness because you're like heart driven. That's actually interesting about the modes because the modes are, Krishna says in my Vita, are always competing for supremacy. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as black and white as goodness, passion, and ignorance. Because you can yeah, actually do not. something that's a mode of goodness activity in a mode of passion or ignorance, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Outward and then inward, so the outward right. reflection might, might look good. So the outward activity is goodness, but it's done in the mode, it can be done in the mode of ignorance, mm -hmm. even. Um, even devotional service can be done um, in the mode of you can do it in the mode of passion, mm -hmm. or you can do some you can do a good thing in the wrong way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, but mode of goodness means doing pure mode of goodness means doing something right in the right way. And I was going to mention something about what you said. Oh, in terms of so let's look at what the word religion means. Religion means to connect, and so. Someone who says they're spiritual but not religious, how can you be spiritual without forming a connection? Do you see what I'm saying? So Krishna is explaining the Bhagavad Gita, how do we form that connection? And he says through the guru, through his representative. So all that real religion is, is us approaching God's representative and, and humbly submitting how can I serve you? Please tell me um, transcendental knowledge, and please allow me to serve you, and please engage me in your service, because I know that if I'm in your service, then I'm in the service of God. That's really what re real religion means. Mm -hmm. But you have to have that to make that connection, which means spiritual. The spiritual isn't just some like word or like some ideas. It's actually a genuine connection. And Krishna, God is saying, how do you make that connection? You make that connection through the devotees. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh no, I'm oh, sorry, I'm going to And too, because that spiritual but not religious movement. Um, it, it kind of, I feel like it's a result of. No, you good. Okay. In the same way when Prabhupada came over here and started preaching. To the younger generation and the younger generation of kids were so dissatisfied with you know the established churches here is that you can have spiritual experiences on your own but to actually have a spiritually mature connection 
that leads you to even higher states of consciousness. Like I remember a few months back, Guru Dave was giving a lecture and he was talking about, you know, sometimes you run into impersonalists that they might as well be worshiping the shoe because they think everything is God and God's energy is everywhere. So, you know, oh, look at this sandal. It's clearly made out of God, so why can't I worship the sandal? Like, that's just kind of insane behavior. So yeah, that's spiritual, but religious. It defaults to impersonalism. Exactly. It doesn't give you the cognitive ability to evaluate your spiritual connection in a mature way. Everything is just equal no matter what. And my belief is just as valid as anything else, regardless of whatever spiritual insight or life you're living. Right. And that's kind of a, it's just not real. And there's three different levels of spiritual realization. So Brahman realization, you can follow somebody who has Brahman realization and you can attain that platform of Brahman realization. But you can't attain the pure love of God by following something that only has the modernization. So people have spiritual realization at different levels. Mm-hmm. But what Krishna is saying in Bhagavad Gita is the highest spiritual level is pure devotion to me. So if we want that highest level, if we want, like in Bhagavatam, it says that which can completely satisfy the self, which is the best investment, right? Something that completely satisfies us. That's, that's, what, we, that's what everybody needs and wants. That's the need of the soul. It's the nature of the soul to be completely satisfied. So it says right there in Bhagavad Gita, in Bhagavatam, by the pure devotees, lovers of God, that that highest connection is through Bhakti Yoga. And that's what actually can satisfy the self. So if we want to attain that connection, we can attain other levels of spiritual connection. We can attain a spiritual connection where God, our relationship with God is just that we ask stuff from Him. Hey, uh, Father in heaven, please give me something so that I can enjoy myself. The forest supply. Yeah. So that's the connection with God. And we can approach people that have that connection with God, and they do have it, and we can have it. But that's not going to actually be a sustainable growth opportunity for us. Yeah. In this material world, it's highly unlikely that if I was to say, I can give you a million dollars or I can give you a hundred dollars, that people would go for the hundred dollar bill. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be kind of stupid to pass up a million dollars if I gave you that option. So in the spiritual, and, and you know, when we're talking about all things spiritual, Krishna consciousness is like that million dollars. It's yeah. like it's like the it's, top. That big, it's that big opportunity. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really big opportunity. I mean, you can. Why why would you why would you sell yourself short in that way? I think this is my opinion. Kind of touching on what Sean Gopal is talking about the whole spiritual but not religious movement, this whole postmodernist idea ideology as well is just a lot of people are essentially afraid of trusting they've been burned yeah they've been burned and you know the idea of any kind of spiritual authority is just something that we throw out the window when we've been burned and we just think well then i can you know what i can't trust anyone i can access god directly i don't need this person because this person could probably do me wrong anyway but you know it's another good analogy to investing too this goes back to that because people that are generally successful in business yeah they've made a lot of bad investments yeah you know but it doesn't mean you stop investing no like those are the people that have turned out to just get by paycheck to paycheck right right but the ones that are successful they realize there are good investments out there 
I just have to find them. And how do I do that? It goes back to this enthusiasm that develops in the heart. And how does this enthusiasm develop in the heart? It comes from people who love Krishna. Like when people, when we, we're around people that love Krishna, we catch that. It's like fire. It's like Jaitanya Leela was saying, the soul by its nature is pure. And what's the nature of that purity? It's pure love for Krishna. So that love, that, that love that's already there, that fire that's already there, like Prabhupada said, this fire is already in wood, it just has to be ignited. So that ignit, igniting of the fire of this pure love of God happens when we're around people that love Krishna. Does that make sense? But how can we know someone loves Krishna? How can we know that we can trust that person to guide us? Well, it takes time, like any relationship. Wouldn't there be any... Yeah. Out, my, I guess my point is that there's outward behavior. There is, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Well, you have to find someone to trust. Right. That's the first thing. There has to be some initial trust. And that's called... In Sanskrit, it's called adavashrata. It means tender faith. So any relationship starts out where you're trying to get to know. Mm -hmm. and But you have to... Just like, say, somebody has no knowledge of what it takes to have a good relationship, like a romantic relationship... And because of that, they get involved in all these relationships that cause them a lot of suffering and loss and things. But somebody who's going into it with more knowledge may know, okay, if, I, if I'm with this type of person, it's going to probably turn out better, there's better chances, than if I just jump into to this other type of relationship. So similarly, as we're, when we're serious about the spiritual path, we start asking questions. And that's why... Krishna is saying in the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna, he's saying, ask questions, find spiritual people and ask questions until, you, until you're completely satisfied. Because if, if you want genuine answers, the answers are there. And so that's why we always encourage everybody to, to read Prabhupada's books and to find out from, from Bhagavad Gita, uh, from all of Prabhupada's books from Srimad Bhagavatam, what is the nature of somebody who actually is a genuine advanced soul? When we have some knowledge of that, that's that's like theoretical knowledge. We might not fully understand that, but when we when we know that, then when we're trying to find those connections, we have a better understanding, just like the person that um, knows what it takes to have a successful romantic relationship. The same way, just like any relationship. You get to know who's genuine and who's not. And there is a certain thing in the beginning of trusting that is taking a leap of faith. And you have to take a certain, you know, you, I mean, take calculated risk, of course. Like investors do, they make calculated risks. Mm -hmm. They make well, get the information they need. Well, this looks like it's a, a pretty good investment. I mean, it could be. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> but even at that point in time, there's still a leap you have to take yeah, yeah. a leap of faith. You just can't, you know, and you have to be willing to do that. Some people are so jaded right. that they're afraid to take that leap of faith. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Without any risk, there's no reward. Yeah, exactly. There has to be risk for there's a great, There's a great little scene in, uh, I don't know if everybody's familiar with Raiders of the Lost Ark, the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when the last crusade, okay, he's his father just got shot and he's trying to find the Holy Grail, you know, and he's going through all these traps and stuff like this. Well, there's comes to a point where he's, he comes to this ravine and it's totally like this bottomless. Yeah. And of course, the character Indiana Jones is a scientist. He's an atheist almost, you know, he doesn't really believe. But he gets to a point where he's so desperate to help his dad, you know, and his dad's kind of saying, you know, you, you've got to believe, boy, you got to believe. 
you know, and he says, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, what am I going to do? And he just probably settles himself, goes like this, he's like, you know, I gotta believe, I gotta believe. And he takes the step. And of course, when he does, he like kind of almost like fall, like he's gonna fall, but then it's an invisible path. But he wouldn't see it unless he had taken the leap, you know. So again, there's gotta be a certain amount of it's a great analogy to that. And sometimes it takes desperate situations to make us take that leap, you know, in our lives. And then all of a sudden we say, Oh, I've got to do this, you know. I can try to take us out. Well, also it's a, it's a risk to not take risk. Yeah. yeah, because if you, if you don't take a risk, you're taking a risk because if, if like we were saying, if we're not if we're not forming these spiritual connections, if we're not making a spiritual advancement, that's automatically a risk. That's the greatest risk um, because you, you're not going to develop spiritually. If you're not developing spiritually, then then you're just going to keep on going through this cycle of repeated birth and death. One of the things that I um, I put into practice all the time when I'm searching out things is um, I'm a very sensitive individual, so I feel things. Um, and I put that into everything um, that I do because I may not trust my intellect, but I can trust the, the sensitive, uh, the feeling of what I'm doing. So when I, when I do that, um, I, strength, I practice to strengthen my awareness, my conscious um, perceptive state of being within my body and the surroundings and the people that I interact with. And so that way, and I keep an open mind, I do not judge, you know, I keep, try to keep these as my um, my foundations so that when I do come to an interaction with another individual, that um, my senses are open enough to be able to um, kind of like, the way I see it is my heart is like, um, you know those balls that are plasma, you put your hand on and then the, the light jumps to your hand. So my heart is the center of that. Um, and those, those little things that jump to your hand, that's how, that's like the sensors from my heart and they go out and, um, they're sensing the area around. And so I am trying to be open and aware to picking up on, um, the truth. And the only way I'm going to know really, or to have an idea that I am in, um, good company or investing in good people is that if I walk that, if I am um, being truthful to myself and the things that I'm doing and to others, then I know that I'm strengthening that um, that part of my heart that's going to pick up on others. And so then when I do come to them, I can realize that when they speak to me or what they say will resonate with that uh, vibration of truth. And then I will know that I can begin to company. Yeah, and when we fully trust, Somebody, we can fully accept that vibration because we trust now. Like now, now I want your vibration because I trust that you carry that divya gyan. You carry that that pure knowledge and pure love in your heart. So now I fully open myself up to resonate with that vibration. You see what I'm saying? So like initially, it has to take the head too. Like it can't just be the heart because we, we also are given intelligence by, by Krishna. To be able to see like experiences we've had in life, and and how different things haven't really worked out to our, our advantage. Um, so, if we use our head and our heart together, and and we keep that that openness to forming that connection, then we can allow that to, to form and develop. And if it keeps on paying off, if we keep on paying dividends of returns, 
of, of you're, you're actually feeling the benefits of your advancement, then you, you know, your trust will deepen. So, like for me, like I can open my, myself up fully to the program. Like now, I trust I trust the acharyas, I trust the devotees, who have, especially the ones who dedicate their life to the sacred time mission. So I can fully open myself up to them at this point. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So quickly try to do this one. <laughs> we have different definitions of spiritual success. Yeah, we, I think we talked about that. We touched on that. Different definitions of spiritual success. Um, and they, actually, they're, it's not really different definitions. There actually is different levels of spiritual success. Mm-hmm. Like, factually. But then there's there's false goal. We talked about fool's goal. There's a lot of things out there that there is no spiritual success at all. Although it's packaged like spiritual success. So, you know, Govinda Madhav mentioned, why not take the best thing? You know, why not take, and so we, we, we kind of discussed this, you know, why not take that spiritual connection which gives us that highest reward of joy in our heart? Why don't we take that? You know, if we have the option, why don't we take something less, you know? Yeah, why not? Because 
in my opinion, is like, do not close yourself off to one viewpoint that's only one viewpoint, you know? Um, dabble. Like, how are you to say that you know God if you don't dabble into the other beliefs of all others, you know? Look at their beliefs and you realize that they're all the same. Um, so, I want to bring her in. I think Thursday is a good day. So, hopefully, and she, you know, she'll be here during that time. Yeah, that'd be good. So, when is it that she's coming? I think she's going to be arriving on the 15th of uh, December. So, 15th of December. Yeah. I'll only be here for four days, but. So I'm going to Florida for. All right, take care. Hey, I'm going to be going to Florida for two weeks, but definitely. Um, I think it's after two weeks because it's November. The thing is, I don't know if it, I have to sit down and talk with a tool to see what's going on for those two weeks that I'm going to be gone. Because typically around that time, everyone's busy with the holidays, so a lot of times we'll postpone Christian hope for like a couple weeks. But I think um, after two weeks, I'm going to have a time slot, which is why I wanted After what? After two weeks, I originally. Yeah, it'll be like it'll probably be like she's coming in on the fifteenth, but it'll probably be whatever that Thursday is after that. Okay. So that's really close. That's really close to Christmas. So do you know what day that is? The 15th? Um, I don't know. Oh, it's not the Thursday of that week. I haven't checked, but I don't know. Because if it's if the fifteenth is let's say a Tuesday, then we'll certainly have Christian Cove on the seventeenth. So it's probably like the outdoor yeah. duration. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I'll be the last one with that. For, yeah, for Friday. 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 The 20th. Yeah. yeah, I won't be here, so I don't know if, if we're going to have Christian codes, unless Atul is here. If he's here and he wants to, if he wants to take it up for a couple of weeks, then yeah. And definitely bring her, bring her, please. That'd be great. I'm going to miss it. I know, I want to introduce her to you guys, everybody here, but um, I, I understand. I understand it's, a, it's like a crazy month. It's like holiday, so like everyone's everyone wants to see everywhere. So it's like um I don't know, but you know if, if it is, it is, you know, so so let it be. If not, that's okay. I do. Um you know what? I was thinking about that too. So, so even if not, you know, we're still yeah. 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 Sunday There is. I I don't. Um, I like this uh, only because I can understand it. Like, there's that's more of a religious um, aspect of it, and I want it. 
I'm more of in uh, wanting to get the knowledge. You know, the because I'm looking for. Um, yeah, pretty much, and it, and I'm not restricting myself to any particular religion because I'm not religious. And I mean, everything you see in there is completely non-sectarian. There is no religious like Christian. I, I wasn't certain about this because I was like, well, I, what do I see? Is this is this a religious place? Like I don't know because like I mean I know what religious is and everything, but. Um, well, there's two definite. There's like the false religion, which is e-religion. A lot of times, religion holds a negative connotation. When we think of the word religion, immediately we default to that negative connotation. But as Atul was explaining earlier, true religion means to know and love God. That's all that religion really means. That's the essence. that's really the message that we're trying to be conveyed by Jesus. He said, "Religion is love God with all your heart." Love me as you love, you know, yeah. love your neighbor as you love yourself. So these are true religious principles. These are the real religious principles. Not be ritualistic minus the spiritual. Because if that's the case, there's no love and it's just empty ritual. See the word spirit, you take the word spirit out of spiritual and you left it rituals. I never thought I never heard So empty ritualistic where there's no love, where there's no bhakti. That's irreligious. But when there's love, when there's love and it's a process to get the no God that is influenced and is motivated by love, that's true religion. Like we we uphold the four pillars of Dharma. That's true religious principle. So there's four pillars of Dharma. And essentially, these are universal pillars. These will help people elevate to the platform of goodness. And these pillars are mercy, austerity, cleanliness, and there's one more that I'm missing. Truthfulness. So those are the four pillars. And if and if we if we uphold these four pillars in our what does that look like? What does mercy look like? That means no meekness. That's what mercy is. Or austerity. What does austerity mean? So there's so there's 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 the austerity. There's the truthfulness. No gambling. No intoxication. No illicit sex. We uphold these four pillars because we understand that anyone who is trying to make any kind of advancement spiritually needs to first come up to the platform of goodness. And if you have these hindrances, these things that are pulling you down to these lower levels of consciousness, it's going to be really hard for you to get up to the mode of pure goodness, which transcends the modes. Pure goodness, as we were speaking about, is on the transcendental spectrum. But you can't go from the mode of ignorance and skip and go right to pure goodness. It's impossible. You can't do that. You can't make that leap. You have to gradually go up the ladder. So, okay, put it this way. There's images of it too. Okay, all right, all right. If you want to become a successful athlete, Okay, I'm going to try to give you an analogy that can possibly make sense. If I want to become a gold medalist, I have to train like a gold medalist, which means that there are certain things that I can't do. Does that make sense? There's certain things that I got to refrain from, like I can't eat certain foods. I can't indulge in certain foods that I might indulge normally because I have to train myself. So there's a there's a sense of austerity. I have to make a certain sacrifice in order to achieve a certain goal. 
right? Before we continue, yeah. Yeah. what were we talking so about again? Because I'm getting lost. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we were talking about we're talking about religion and all this and how they're a true religious place. So there's there's negative connotations of religion is that you're going to a place that's sectarian. Yeah. It's, like I said, it's, a yeah. it's basically, yeah. you know, doing a bunch of stuff, yeah. external stuff, like ritualistic stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times we might say, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in true spirits. So many styles of music. I'm because, like, I don't know. Um, so it'll be all of you, Okay. Because I, I mean, the board came up, but I don't know what we're talking about. This is why I'm confused. I'm like, well, you I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, 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 adapt, like, match it to whatever. Like, well, you said, I don't, I don't want to go to that because that seems religious. That's what you said. It's a 24-hour station. So no, exactly. I'm not religious. Oh, um, exactly. But anyway, and it, so that implies that what's going on in there is religious. But at least something. Oh, oh, you're talking, okay, so I didn't want to, um, I was going to do that because um, it seemed religious, that's, a, that's how that's I thought, yeah. So that's how it all started. Okay. Yeah, that was, it, it, it was just really heavy for me, um, right. for my understanding. Right. So, I was so, so I was just trying to explain that actually we're not religious. And then I was trying to explain and that's that, when I was like, oh, yeah. okay. So, and then I was trying yeah, to explain yeah. what actual religion means as opposed to, again, the way we use the word religion and how we use it. Yeah, I was totally confused on that. Yeah, that, so you, that's okay because that might be... So it's good to know, though. There's culture shock there. Definitely. Yeah. You might not understand what's happening. You might yeah, not have an you, you might not have an understanding of what it means to worship the deity, which is a part of the nine processes of devotional service that are spoken of in the So that's all where you acquire that knowledge first to have a better understanding and then you can actually see with clearer vision what's actually happening. Yeah. I was recording on my oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to be 